feature presentation. What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 138 of the 8th Best Movie Podcast in Canada. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, we're back from LA and uh, ready to talk about it. You know, it's, it's cold. It's Tuke. It's Tuke weather now. So, yep. <laughs> uh, left Toronto, uh, landed in LA. It was the same weather in Toronto as it was in LA, about twenty degrees centigrade. Uh, if you uh, use the metric system, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. <laughs> but then, when I landed back home, snow everywhere. Uh, and I came to the to hell freezing over hell being back here in Toronto. I do love this city, um, but uh, definitely a jarring thing when I didn't bring a jacket or anything like that. And I landed and I'm like, oh, there's snow. Did not even know that this happened. But yes, Eric, uh, that's why we we're off last week. We had plenty of stuff for you guys to listen to, like the Black Panther review, Black Panther spoiler cast black panther regular episode where we talk about the press conference and stuff lots of black panther content for you guys and i'll talk about black black panther a little bit more on this episode uh but yeah we both went to la uh i went for a week uh with my wonderful wife nevis very last minute we got this invite from netflix to attend the glass onion premiere at the academy museum the u.s premiere uh and then i was like you know what let's do it and then i was like i can't do the in and out in one day we'll talk about that for you in a sec uh so i'm like nevis wanted to go to la so we're like let's plan the most last minute week-long la trip and boy it was fast and furious and we planned that shit in like three days and we did a lot over that week so i'll get into that today but eric how are you i'm good i mean you mentioned fast and furious you also kind of did a little bit of uh dom and letty cosplay with the uh, yeah, vehicle dodge. you rented <laughs> yeah we we ended up driving around in a dodge challenger so uh which is uh one of the cars uh dom dam uh drives in uh the more recent uh fast and furious movies ours was purple it was fantastic it was quite something so um, yeah, that was, it, it was cool, man. I like, I know that's what the majority of this episode, um, is going to be about, but, um, I don't know where to start, but overall, how you feeling, how you doing? It's a nice Tuesday week of, uh, American Thanksgiving. People can check out our strange world review. They can check out our bones and all review. We're back. We'll have plenty of stuff over the next couple of weeks. Our voting deadline is soon. Yes, and they can also go back to our TIFF coverage and find reviews for movies like Glass Onion and The Fablemans, which are also coming out uh, this week uh, theatrically, and uh, Glass Onion is going to be a week-long uh, release, and it's it's so surreal when you see a movie like Glass Onion. I mean, obviously, Knives Out had a, a robust theatrical run uh, when it was with Lionsgate and, and, and Mongrel Media here in Canada. But it is so surreal to see a week-long release of this kind of event picture um, being a sequel that's highly anticipated and very entertaining. And, and re-watching it, it only kind of reaffirmed, you know, how enjoyable it is and how uh, easy a watch it is on, and, and, and how, you know, you can pick up on a lot of little details that are there that you don't necessarily uh, catch the first time around. But you know, seeing theaters like Landmark and Cineplex, you know, play this for one week, 
it's Bran. Uh, so it, it like that's kind of interesting in in this day and age where you know Netflix really still is looking at this more as a, a a streamer or at least you know releasing this on their platform as an exclusive than anything else and the money that they put into this film and and the third so uh it's yeah it's 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 really interesting overall yeah wasn't it like 100 million for Craig 100 million for Ryan Johnson and 100 million for Ram Bergman is that his yeah. name Ram Bergman. Yeah, um, producer, yeah. And that's for two movies. So we are getting a third one. Um, absolutely, we are. Um, but yeah, man, it is it is interesting because Cineplex has dabbled into playing Netflix stuff, but that was usually like during the pandemic when they were like very desperate, right? And I guess they are still a little desperate for them to, um, you know, give in and, and start playing Netflix movies. And it doesn't happen very often. We Here in Toronto, we've been getting them at lightbox usually and glass onion is playing lightbox as well which is great um and landmark and whippy got them because i felt like it was maybe for far enough away from toronto that they were like oh there's some value into playing these into the suburbs and landmark was a little bit more uh forgiving when it comes to playing netflix titles and then cineplex i felt you know, other than a few things during the pandemic, I felt like they weren't really playing those theatrically released ones. So it, yeah, times are a changing for sure. And I think it's only because Knives Out is this, or Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, which is just Glass Onion, come on. Um, uh, you can see that they are going, okay, well, you know, because it's a sequel, because all the cast, obviously, the recognition on all of it, let's play it for this week and see if we can make a little bit of coin on it. Uh, which I guess is smart. And then, you know, for the people who miss that, it'll be a huge uh, reason to keep your subscription to Netflix or sign up for Netflix in um, in late December, uh, right near Christmas. So, um, yeah, it's great, man. Like, we can start there. Like, that premiere was a, a lot of fun. It was at the Academy Museum um, in, in Los Angeles, which uh, neither of us had been to, I think. You said you might have gone there, but it might have been something else you went to, right? Yeah. I don't know if it was open when you went there the first time, but like, or, or I've been to the went. actual academy, like, yeah. the, like the awards, um, ceremony like for the presentation not not the show itself but like the 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 venue the dolby theater the dolby theater yeah 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 i i I was right outside there too when i'll get back to the rest of the stuff that i did but let's talk about the thing that we did together um yeah you you flew in on my last day or, or second last day um and then we attended the glass onion premiere at the academy museum so we went over uh, did a little uh, photo op. You guys can check out that photo on our social medias. I thought it was a great photo of us in the titular Glass Onion. Um, and then we ended up uh, exploring the Academy Museum um, for the first time. And it is gorgeous in there. Uh, we went to Momi when we were in New York. So this felt like a adjacent to that, but um, very focused on the Academy Awards, obviously, but then specific exhibits on things like The Godfather and... Um, and I, uh, black what cinema, I, yeah, black you, cinema, you, you yeah. had sort of, uh, production design in the world of science fiction, a lot of props, a lot of, uh, memorabilia, you know, whether it be from the iconic movies that have won Academy Awards or many movies that haven't won Oscars, which is always interesting as well. When you think about films that have stood the test of time, but haven't gotten that awards recognition. And it's, it's weird where it's like, so the Academy is recognizing 
their failures to acknowledge something that maybe they should have originally or that they didn't realize that was going to be, you know, a big deal. Like, I mean, a, a, you know, a, a fellow Critics' Choice member of ours, uh, Andrew Powell, posted a photo of the, you know, the Donnie Darko rabbit suit, the Frank suit. And like with that, it's like there's a movie that, you know, again, when it came out, the timing wasn't great, obviously, because it was around 9-11, but has had this second life as a cult classic and has meant so much to so many people. And, you know, again, awards voters and things like that would look at something such as Donnie Darko when it was being released and kind of, you know, pass it off as nothing but genre, you know, or, 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 or again, just aesthetic style over substance. And now, you know, more people, I think, talk about that on a regular basis than they do the artist or you know the king's speech or something like that so So it's good that the academy museum is also celebrating stuff like that too right like it's not just purely here's what got nominated for academy awards you can still see shrek's oscar but there's (laughs) there are other things that weren't uh oscar winners or oscar nominated films so it was kind of cool like it was basically just a way for us to kill time before the screening um uh, so we wandered around the Academy Museum, saw lots of cool stuff there. Uh, we were at this little kind of reception thing. We walked by Jamie Lee Curtis and Janelle Monet, and um, so it's just kind of always weird at these events to just you know be shoulder to shoulder with some very rich and famous people where um we are not um but uh then we made our way into the academy museum screening room or their kind of theater and it is gorgeous in there it was great um and then watch glass onion again yeah the presentation was immaculate i mean it it started later than it was supposed to but i think most screenings in a room like that probably never start on time it's just one of those things especially when you get to i was hot as hell too were you yeah yeah i I was and i I was was. not feeling great but i wasn't covid everyone i was just had a cold so well you Um, had already spent as you mentioned you know the week in probably feeling a little bit more run down and and tired in general and you know we 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 did a good job though overall in terms of you know keeping uh sort of active throughout the entire day and even you know attending the after party and seeing the edward norton uh mural shirtless that was there. mural yeah <laughs> and then him uh, talking to someone right like in front of it, it. yeah which yeah. was great and kind of almost like this again very surreal moment and yeah it, it it's 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 one of those experiences where it's like you you know what it is in terms of you know them wanting to get more attention on a film that they you know whether it be a Netflix or any other um, distributor or streaming service during this time of year when they're, you know, wanting you to vote for something and they feel that this movie is worthy of that consideration. And, and, and it is, and it is, it's, 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 it's one of those films that I think will kind of, again, you know, mentioning Donnie Darko, I, I think some people will pass glass onion off as nothing more as, as, as entertainment. And that's unfortunate because it is so, meticulously written and um comedy is such a hard thing to crack and when it comes to comedy within genre it's even more specific and and you look at what janelle monet and daniel craig and edward norton are doing all three of them are fantastic um you know the editing and the timing is is phenomenal um and so perfectly put together like yeah 
and even if you've seen like we've seen we already saw it at tiff and we already like i've it seen it two and a half times yeah yeah and and maybe with the exception of the opening sequence which i do think there still is, doesn't quite work no but i do think there is an intention there with it being very excessive where it's like okay we want to kind of shake out all that sequel itis stuff like right out of the beginning and kind of get to you know the single location of where this story takes place and introduce these characters in the very you know lavish and decadent lifestyle that they all live and the opulence of it all um but yeah once you get to greece it, it really does start to become its own thing and and in a lot of ways it does surpass the first movie um in tone and style and 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 comfort and and craig really is you know clearly having a lot of fun in the role of benoit blanc and just completely you know hamming it up but in the best kind of possible way and again the references and uh physical gestures and facial expressions on a second viewing are really great sort of tells and and you just pick up on those little subtle details that maybe you didn't the first time when you're just trying to second guess the film uh for for the most part but yeah it was it was overall like a a fun experience and you know getting to sit in and watch the 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 cast and 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 ryan johnson and and uh ram bergman talk you know about making the movie was a lot of fun yeah the and, press conference was great too yeah yeah and, and the like buffet had, was great at the after party <laughs> <laughs> yeah the mediterranean cuisine was 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 wonderful even though like it was you know the short those, ribs Ooh, those were good yeah uh the, the roast beef was was succulent yeah, and, and yeah. uh, uh melt in your mouth like butter but it's also like you know the, the smells are so strong you worry about like <laughs> having like bad breath afterwards and being in the vicinity of of people like edward norton and janelle monet um yeah and and like you know I did a couple interviews that will be available, I think, very, very soon uh, with... Uh, Went completely smoothly, right? Oh, it sure <laughs> did. So I literally um, tripped into my interview for uh, for Glass Onion. I, I got to talk to uh, Jessica Henwick and Madeline Klein, and they were very nice and, and, and what have you. But I was thrown off because like, I, as, as soon as I was walking in, I tripped over um, a cord, and that after that it was over um and then as soon as we were finished i was waiting there and i already i had known before that like we were going to get you know um digital copies of yeah the like on a, yeah but i was th- so thrown off because i haven't done a lot of in-person interviews yeah. since and the you pandemic. used to get the the chips the, right the chips yeah. so i'm standing there the memory card yeah for like a good minute you know next to the the person who's kind of orchestrating like, this can whole we thing. help you <laughs> yeah and she's literally like is, is everything okay and i'm like yeah i was just waiting for the oh right you're set you're not sending because again we used to yeah. get memory cards now it's like a dropbox link right like it's yeah. just all online yeah yeah, yeah. uh so there's that <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure it was fine um and then there was a lot of waiting around until and then we got in and out burger which is great oh yeah Still, fries are terrible. Um, the fries are too fresh, which is a weird complaint to have, but it's almost like the freshness that works for the burger does not work for the they fries. They just taste like potatoes. <laughs> they yeah. just literally taste like potatoes, which is like, oh, it's a French fry. It should. Nah, French, they should, I don't know. There's a French fry taste, right? 
Um, and then we just hung out at the airport until uh, until we went home and took a red eye. We had a lot of waiting around to do, um, which is but, classic. But let's but... go back to your week with <laughs> Eric just knocked his uh, mic over. Um, yeah, so I so rewind a week Re- earlier, rewind. and then um, Nevis and I uh, decided to go to L.A. Um, basically a week earlier to spend the week. Nevis did a working vacation. Um, I did a vacation vacation. Um, and I'm not working right now other than, um, this stuff. So I had a lot of free time on my hands. Um, so we decided to go a week early. So we planned this whole thing, um, in basically, uh, a couple days because this trip kind of was like, Hey, you're going to go to LA next week. Here are the dates. I'm like, okay, well, I can go a little earlier. I'll have the one night of hotel from Netflix, like, but we'll go and I can use points. We have a, we had a lot of Amex points, so I'm like, we can use that for your flight for Nevis, and we can use that to rent the car and all that kind of stuff. So Nevis, she loves traveling. She's really great at trip planning. So we sat down and planned this week long trip to LA, where we were going to hit up a bunch of places that I'd never been. Nevis has been to LA once before, but it was when she was 18. So that was half of her life ago. For me, I've only been there in short stints. So we went to LA last year for that 24 hour whirlwind. Um, I went one other time for three days or four days where I didn't really explore much of LA. Like it was, I did some work stuff. I saw some hockey games and then I went to Disneyland. So this this time before the pandemic too, literally like four days before. (laughs) So it was not a great time to be there, but at that time we didn't know anything. Um, so Nevis and I planned this week long thing. She wanted to see a lot of different, um, kind of, you know, the classic LA things like the Griffith observatory, the Hollywood sign. We want to do some studio tours. Um, uh, we wanted to explore, you know, some museums. We went to the Getty Villa and things like that. Um, so we decided to rent a car. We stayed in downtown LA. Um, you've already kind of mentioned it, but when we went to go pick up our car and we just rented like a budget car because um you know i used points and it was a good price um if you rent tip for everyone don't rent at the airport if you can get away from the airport and rent your car somewhere else you'll save so much money so what we did is just for the first night we're just like let's uber to our hotel and then we'll rent the car the next morning and drop it off the day before we had to go to our new hotel and that saved us so much money like it ended up only being like 200 and something dollars american for almost like a week uh to rent this car and then when we get there they're like uh we're gonna upgrade you guys because these are the cars we have so we're gonna give you a purple dodge challenger is that okay (laughs) and nevis who's never driven a sports car before and i don't drive um she i'm like are you cool with that and she's like yeah, I guess. So like we, they upgraded us from a budget car to this Dodge Challenger, a beautiful car, Dom Toretto's car. Um, he doesn't drive a purple one. He drives a black one, but like, um, we're like, all right, let's fucking do this. And then it was kind of nerve wracking at first, but Nevis got a hang of it right away. And, and we were just ripping around in this Dodge Challenger for a week. So, um, we planned a bunch of stuff, like I said, museums, you know, the touristy spots, couple places we want to go to dinner, uh, on me on the film side of things. Like we were like, Oh, I want, I would love to see some studios. Right. So I want to do at least one studio tour. Uh, you told me to look at some award screenings, which I was already looking into because at this time of year they do like a ton of, uh, 
different award screenings that you can go to. So I was trying to find cool locations for those that I wouldn't normally be able to see a movie at. So, you know, first night we got Sugarfish. Eric did the takeout for the first time. The most money I've ever spent on takeout sushi, that's for sure. So um, it it was great. It was like such a comforting thing. Like we landed after a long flight. We were there in the evening, checked into our hotel. There was a Sugarfish four minutes down the road. So we're like... I don't really feel like sitting in a restaurant right now. So like, let's do the takeout. Cause I've seen it in movies and stuff before they have that wonderful little takeout thing. I will like say in the rehearsal in the rehearsal and in Cobra Kai <laughs> and <laughs> other things. Um, I will say the takeout. I just prefer to sit in like it was still fantastic, but you kind of have to like make it yourself by pouring the sauces on, putting the chives on, like doing all this stuff. And it's not quite the same as like a chef putting it together and taking it out one course at a time and having it spread out and eat perfectly for you and things like that. Still fantastic. Um, way too much food. I should have got the smaller one, but um, it was still great. It was fantastic. Uh, I already kind of mentioned, I don't know on here, home state, a taco place. We went for breakfast the next morning. It was so, I'm so glad we got this car, man. Cause we were able to like zip around and I say zip around. I mean like slowly drive around cause traffic's awful everywhere. Um, but it, without that, I think we would have spent a thousand dollars on Ubers because like it, it's just, it, it takes so long to get everywhere because of traffic and like, and you have to drive in LA. It's not like New York where you can, like there is a transit system, but it's one sketchy I've heard. And two, it only goes to very specific spots. Right. And we were staying in downtown, so we could have taken transit, but I'm so glad we rented a car because it just gave us so much more convenience of like wanting to go here, staying here for a little bit. Okay. Let's drive to, here and go there for a bit instead of like i feel like if we were only taking ubers we would have felt handcuffed and we would have stayed at places longer than we wanted to because we didn't want to spend money like jumping around to all these different places and taking ubers because each uber is going to be at least twenty dollars american or something like that um so we went to griffith observatory um and things like that um ended up going our first night uh to see banshees of inishirin on the disney lot Um, so that was really cool because first time on the Disney lot, it was in the ABC building. So it wasn't technically on like Disney studios, although you go through the gate and the animation building is on your left. It's one with the, uh, Fantasia hat and it's like the classic, not the classic animation building, but the newer animation building. And then so cool to be able to drive in there. You check in, we're able to park in their parking garage and then go into ABC studios walk around you go okay let's just walk around a bit i don't know where the hell this theater is so walk into the animation building the security guard immediately stopping us and go where the hell are you guys going and then we're like we're trying to find the abc screening room you're like it's in that building over there i'm like "Ah, all right can't walk around this building um so we went over and uh saw banshees of inishirin at the abc2 theater uh, which is a small little screening room reminds you of any you know screening room at a studio or um, you know a, a hotel or apartment building but the sound and picture Eric oh my god I can't it reminded me of Lightbox like seeing a Lightbox five or one of the smaller Lightbox theaters which Lightbox for people in Toronto the best 
cinema in probably Canada, if not Ontario, definitely Toronto. Um, so the sound and picture quality, like how bright the screen was, how clear the dialogue was, the proper masking. Oh my God. Uh, it made me like Banshees of Inishirin a lot more this time because I felt like the dialogue was clear. It didn't have the echo that we had at um, the Princes of Wales when we saw it, which I love the Princes of Wales as well, but with a movie with heavy accents, with a language kind of slang that like is is hard to wrap your head around sometimes when the dialogue was so clear in this in this cinema it really kind of helped me um one follow it and enjoy some of the humor a lot more i still don't love the movie like i still think i only like the movie um which is probably more than that original re review we did at tiff but i appreciate the movie more than i really enjoy it i liked barry keegan a lot this time and i felt like the first half of the movie i really loved and then i kind of as it went on still kind of faded out and lost uh, interest by the end of it um but that screening room man so nice and this was nevis's um, first time seeing it right yeah and she loved it she really did so i think that was a cool thing to be able to take her onto the disney lot see a movie there it's something we really really wanted to do um and all of this, Nevis, she was working East Coast time. So she would wake up at 6 in the morning and work till 2 p.m., um, which really helped us be able to do a lot of these things, right? Because we could start our day kind of in the afternoon. Um, we wanted to check out, um, you know, uh, the Getty Villa Nevis wanted to check out, which is this museum on this big villa. Um, so we drove over to there. Uh, that was really cool and saw the Santa Monica Pier and Venice Beach uh, canals. Um, we didn't really see the canals, but we drove through Venice Beach and walked around the Santa Monica Pier area. Um, you know, very touristy, but still nice down the water. See Bubba any Gump, snake handlers? Bu Bump, Bubba Gump Shrimp Company right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so you know you're in a great area then. Um, then we decided to do... Um, uh, Black Panther at the El Capitan, um, something I really wanted to do. So again, Nevis's first time seeing Black Panther, my second time seeing Black Panther. If people aren't familiar with the El Capitan, it's an old theater on Hollywood Boulevard that is owned by Disney. So it's a Disney-owned theater. Uh, it reminds me a lot of, if you're from Toronto, like the Elgin Theater, um, where it's two stories, it's got it's old, it's got that same kind of architecture. But uh, the thing, if it, like, if you're going to see a Disney film or a Marvel film or a Lucasfilm film uh, or Star Wars film, um, <laughs> uh, you should go. Like, El Capitan is a perfect place to see it. Like, the sound and projection was great. It did kind of have that echoey sound that you get at older movie theaters. Um, the seats are, you know, um, am I still there? You are still there. Okay, but it did that thing. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. <laughs> Four hours later. Uh, yeah, so we took a little bit of a break. Uh, I got some groceries delivered. Uh, we watched the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, holiday special. Uh, which you guys can check out our review uh, on November 23rd if you're listening to this immediately. And thank you if you're doing that. 
because your whoever just sees us pop up on podcast services like new Matt and Eric, uh, new Untitled Movie Podcast, got to listen right away. I don't know why you would do that, but uh, we really do uh, appreciate it. But I would uh, be yeah, disturbed. Took a, <laughs> took a little <laughs> bit of a break, but we're back. Um, I think as we uh, abruptly got cut out, I was talking about seeing Black Panther Wakanda Forever at the El Capitan Theater. Um, so Nevis and I, uh, decided she hadn't seen the movie yet. So, uh, we were deciding what to do on a Friday afternoon, the first day that the movie came out. I'm like, you know what? I was deciding between a couple different theaters, but I'm like, if I'm seeing a Disney owned property, uh, the El Capitan seems like the place to see it. That's where they do all the Disney premieres. They own that theater outright. Um, they kind of go all out for, um, any movie that they're playing there, they do usually like a special pre-show that's kind of specific to the movie that you're seeing. So sometimes they have a an organ that comes out of the floor and a guy plays the organ. Sometimes they have live performances and things like that. For Black Panther, they had a DJ up on the like one of the balcony like um, side kind of areas and he was kind of DJing before the movie with a very, very loud music. Uh, but it was fun. It was a good atmosphere, good vibes. Like all the costumes were down in the lower level of the building. So you could check out, uh, it's a lot of the carryover. Like when they do the premieres there, it seems like it's like, Oh, it makes sense to like keep a lot of that stuff that we used for the premiere and just have it there during the films kind of run at the El Capitan. So, uh, the theater reminded me a lot of the Elgin theater in Toronto. So, um, small herb, but like still holds over a thousand people. There's a balcony. Um, the sound and projection were excellent. It reminded me of, again, seeing a movie during TIFF at the Elgin where it's like a little echoey, but the sound is very good. The projection properly masked, like it, it looked really, really great. Um, our screening was about two thirds full. So I'd still say that there was a couple hundred you know, people closer to a thousand people, uh, maybe, you know, six, 700 people, but, um, a really good spot to see the movie for the second time, even at two hours and 40 minutes where we were sitting in, you know, an older theater. So the chairs aren't like incredibly comfortable and things like that, but it was just like a really great vibe. Um, Nevis's first time seeing the movie, my second time, uh, I thought it held up. I maybe liked it a little less on rewatch because maybe it was so close. Like it was only a week, week and a half in between um, showtime. So maybe some of the things I liked uh, didn't like the first time I liked even less the second time, but then the stuff I really loved, I loved even more. So it kind of evened out, but I felt myself going, okay, maybe I'm, I'm a little lower on this movie than maybe my initial reaction, but I still really, really like it. Um, did the this, length add any like effect on you? Like in terms of like, not did, did it feel really, longer or, or all, all the Martin Freeman stuff still just didn't work for me. Right. And then I think the iron heart stuff still on rewatch was Re-re-watch. even worse <laughs> on re rewatch um, was even worse than I originally thought like, I really feel like she's just a plot device and a MacGuffin and kind of just shoehorned in there. And I really kind of think they do her a little dirty in the movie, but there's so much good when it comes to the score. And for me, the cinematography and some of the action sequences I think are great. And like Shuri's whole arc and like, there's a lot of really good stuff in there that, you know, kind of evens that out and ultimately makes me really enjoy it. And then Nevis was a little bit more mixed on it where she said the first half, she wasn't really vibing with it, but as it went on, she ended up 
enjoying it quite a bit. But um, I highly suggest if you're in, you know, in L.A. when a big Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, Avatar is even coming soon, like is coming out. Um, the El Capitan is a great spot just to at least go once like it's one of those things where like do i want to see every movie at a venue like the elgin no like sometimes i want a comfortable seat and just a big ass screen or something like that so i might just go to whatever the best multiplex theater is but like for a special event once in a while um or if you're going to one of those premieres it's like a really special thing or if you want to see a movie with 1100 people packed on opening night like i think it's a really cool spot but um yeah i just tried to hit up as many like cool theaters around la after talking to some people and you know i already mentioned the trip to the disney lot to go see banshees of inishirin um i also uh the next morning after um Wakanda forever. I had the junket screening, um, for strange world, which uh, I attended to then attend the press conference on, uh, on Monday. So you guys can already check out our strange world, uh, review on untitled movie reviews. If you want Eric and I's spoiler free thoughts on the movie, we won't be spoiling anything here, but, um, spoiler, it was okay. That's very true. Um, But with these press conferences, like uh, first off with the screening, like going through the Disney lot and walking through the studio and seeing the big sound stages, seeing the Disney film archives building, like going into uh, this screening room and then watching Strange World, which, yes, I thought was, you know, good, but not great. Um, It was just the best projected and sounding movie I have seen in like a really long time, just because you're seeing a Disney animated film like on the Disney lot where they obviously like use these screening rooms to review footage and screen the film for people who actually work there and things like that, where it's like everything is top notch when it comes to like a presentation, like properly masked, bright ass projection, amazing sound, clear dialogue. Like it is literally the best spot to see a movie. You know, I'm sure all these screening rooms are kind of like that, but like, especially seeing a Disney movie on the Disney lot was something, um, really kind of special just being a Disney fan my whole life and, um, walking around that lot and just going, I'm very lucky to do what I do. Um, not very many people get this experience and like, uh, you know, and I, I feel like, you know, people who love movies would love to be doing what I'm doing. So I kind of really cherished that when I was there. So watched strange world again, you guys can check out a review. And then Monday morning while I was in LA, you were flying to LA, Eric. So you could not attend um, the press conference, but, um, I did attend, uh, the virtual press conference, which ironically was in LA and I was there, but it was a virtual press conference, um, for strange world. And I'm kind of, I don't know if it's Stockholm syndrome or, or, or something like that, but I'm starting to like enjoy these more and more, <laughs> um, where like, I, I, we, Eric and I have been very open about like, we don't like Q and A's at film festivals and things like that. Like, unless they're um, moderated by the programmer and they're not open to the audience. Exact point. Or if they are a press one, I'm finding you usually get better questions or usually, um, like 80% of the questions are usually pretty decent comparatively to 10% of the questions at like a public Q and A. Um, so we started doing these press conferences more and more often, and um, I always 
like hearing from the filmmakers. I'm finding like I actually get excited to hear from the directors and producers and writers and cinematographers. And, you know, I love hearing from the actors as well. But we've also talked about that a lot of the times for these actors, like unless they are also a producer or something on the film, like a lot of the times it's a job for them. Right. So like they can talk about their character and how they developed them. And there's some cool stuff that was in this press conference on that. But I always love hearing from the filmmakers. So hearing Don Hall talk about like where the nugget of the idea for strange world came from. So like, yes, it's influenced by Jules Verne and journey to the center of the earth that Eric mentioned in a review and like all these kind of pulpy action adventure stories and kind of things like that. Um, but really what was there is that he was thinking about again like, there's this Jake Gyllenhaal um quote going around from the from not this conference but from his interviews where he's like oh we're living in a strange world and you know and this movie's about a strange world I, I butchered that but it's just very funny go watch that clip but like there is that idea there of this being you know uh, an environmentalist kind of movie where it's talking about natural resources and how, you know, we're using them and plundering them and, and running out of some of them and like in global warming and all this kind of stuff where like, and that generational thing between a father and the, and his son and his son's son, his grandson. So like Don Hall talking about going, well, I was just thinking about what is the world we're going to be leaving like my son and, and my son's son. And that was kind of it more than that, and then using that pulpy kind of action narrative to tell that story. And like Strange World, you know, like we said, it, it's kind of ironically surface level when it comes to that stuff. But there is a nugget of a of a great idea there of telling something that's more than just that pulpy action um, adventure. It doesn't necessarily succeed all the time at that. It does kind of get that message in a very kid-friendly, like palatable kind of way but it's just always interesting to hear filmmakers talk about where these ideas come from and and hearing don hall saying like it was his dream to work for disney animation since he was a kid and and he's able to do that and direct a movie like this now um uh, it was pretty cool the other thing that the cast obviously talked a lot about is like um the representation and diversity in the film and how important that is um uh, Jabuki talked about, you know, talk, uh, his character, Ethan, and, you know, how he uh, plays a young gay man in the movie and, um, how there is a, a biracial family and like all that kind of stuff, which I think is the best stuff in strange world. So the, the press conference does, did focus on that and the cast talking about how important that was to just kind of show the world like we see it and, and not really treat it as something like wild and, and like something that we haven't seen before even though in disney animation films specifically it's something that we haven't seen a lot of um when it comes to the representation of some of the characters shown in this um eric they did make the joke about it being a uh day after tomorrow kind of reunion but on the kind of opposite side of things of jake gyllenhaal and dennis quaid looking for each other who's um, searching for who yeah exactly so um you know, I thought that was probably intentional. And I think Don Hall, he said at first, like it wasn't, but like they must have been thinking about that. And it, it was brought up that that was a, a big part of it. And Dennis Quaid made a joke that he'd never met Jake Gyllenhaal until that day. And I was like, is that true? <laughs> I'm like, do they, do they see each other in the, in day after tomorrow? Do they share any scenes? Yeah, well, there's I yeah. mean, there's the scenes later, like early on, and then later. I haven't on seen in the it movie. in so long. It's been a while as well, but I'm I'm sure they met even during pre-production of of the film. I like just thought it was funny, like and, and stuff like that. 
so the chemistry between all the cast, I think that's the stuff I enjoy most from the actors. Um, oh my god, <laughs> you dropped frame. <laughs> So I I think Gyllenhaal and Quaid were joking about that, but I because uh, I was like it's been so long since I watched the day after tomorrow where I'm like did they share scenes together in that movie? Um, but you never know with like animated films like this too because the cast a lot of the times we've done a few of these press conferences where the cast literally never met each other until they did this press conference because you're all recording your lines separately or you're listening to a recording of another person or someone is feeding the other lines to you. So a lot of the times you will have people meeting for the first time right before um, we get these press conferences. Um, the other thing I really liked is hearing a little bit of the behind the scenes of like uh, Gabrielle Union talked about one, how much of a relief it was to just do kind of a uh, a fun movie like this after she was shooting the inspection at the same time as doing this film. So she was like, it was a lot to co go back and forth between those movies. And she does play a mom in both films, but she's like, those characters could not be more different. Well, um, also having a, a, yeah. a gay son and one of which is, and, is very yeah. accepting and open. And the other one is, um, you know, very homophobic and yeah dissonant towards her child so and she talked about that right of how that was so jarring to go between those two characters but how much of a relief it was to just play like a a great loving kind of mom in this um so that was kind of interesting hearing her talk about you know that jarring kind of back and forth between shooting those things at the same time. Uh, but then also talking about how, you know, if actors are brought on early enough in the process for these movies that they're, they can animate these characters to feel more like the actors. Um, so Gabrielle union talked a little bit about how, you know, watching the film and seeing the animated version uh, of her character, that there were some kind of like tendencies and, um, I don't want to call them ticks, but you know what I mean by like um, gestures and gestures and yeah, expressions yeah. that people that they she does that she saw in the character that was so accurate and like a thing that she regularly does in acting um, that she saw animated in these characters. So I, I always find that interesting. Of like, do you base the character models after? the actors that are playing them or the actors come in later and, and just voice a character kind of thing. But um, I feel like nowadays if people are brought in early enough, you, you don't necessarily want to look them like them one for one. Cause that maybe could be too distracting. They're still cartoon characters and stuff like that. But like there are little acting tendencies that they added in to um, each one of the actors if they were there early enough. So overall, it was like an enjoyable talk. And and I actually kind of really like doing these when they have a good moderator, like we mentioned, and they're, they do, this is how every Q&A should be done. You submit questions through written things. They kind of go through them and pick the ones that they want to ask as well as have a really good um, kind of person leading the conversation. And I found more times than not, I've, I've enjoyed these or I at least get one little piece of information out there and I feel like it adds a little bit of context uh, and a little bit of that behind the scenes kind of magic you get from a lot of these movies so um, yeah it was kind of an enjoyable chat to kind of um, you know for a movie that ultimately I think you know is is worth watching on Disney plus but uh, you guys can go check out uh, our review to get our full thoughts on that.
but very cool to go to the Disney lot and watch this movie. Probably I watched it in the best possible way you could po- watch Strange World. Yeah. So that might help as well. Um, Eric, what's new with you? I mean, I could keep going about my LA trip or do you want to no, keep you know, going, man? Yeah? This is, this is all LA all the time. Um, so that was on the Monday. So I'm kind of jumping around because I'm, I wanted to do things in, in kind of segments. So, um, there's two big things that I haven't talked about that we did. Um, so I can either stay on the Disney, let's stay on the Disney side of things. So, and then I'll go over to universal after that. Um, so on top of attending, you know, multiple screenings on the Disney lot and going, seeing strange world and doing the press conference, uh, we continued the Disney trend by going to Disneyland on the Sunday that we were there. So Nevis and I had Disneyland passes from way back in January when we were going to go for critics choice or whatever. And then, um, because of the pandemic, we couldn't go there's no refunds. So they just let tickets sit in your account. And they're like, you can use them when you can use them. Uh, and you're like, all right, great. I don't know when I'm going to be going to LA. So we made sure because we were going to LA here, they're like, we got to go to Disneyland. We have the car, we can drive out there. It's only like 30 minutes from downtown LA to Anaheim. If there's no traffic, which at the times we went, there was no traffic, which was good. Did you Um, see the ducks? Uh, the mighty ducks? No, I didn't. Um, unfortunately, Um, but we did do 16 hours at Disneyland in one day. And this is like, we went to, um, Tom, Tom and sir the night before, which are restaurants featured on Vanderpump rules, Tom, Tom, legitimately good food, um, and good vibes, sir. My drink was awful. We just went for one drink and the vibes were like, it was a Saturday night and it was dead. I'm like, oh, this, this restaurant purely exists for this TV show and that's it. <laughs> like, did, did you say, uh, sir, my drink isn't good? No, no. So anyways, I was already feeling like crap at this point in the trip where I'm like, I think I have a cold or the flu or something like that. Um, and I was like, well, we have these tickets. We got to go. Um, I, it wasn't COVID or anything. It was just like, I'm going to power through this. Um, we got up at six in the morning and cause the park opened at 8am and we wanted to try to be there for what they call is rope drop where you go in and they let you in a little bit early, but there's ropes blocking you from the rest of the park. And then basically you're one of the first people to kind of go into the park. Um, we didn't make rope drop because the morning was a little rough. Um, but we did get to Disney around like eight 30 and proceeded to do a 16 hour day uh, until 12:30 a.m. basically the next Ooh. day um and it was an up and down journey because like i i love weirdly i love theme parks like i'm someone who doesn't like crowds you know doesn't like touristy kind of like places for the most part like sometimes i'll ironically go to a touristy restaurant or something like that that's why i made like Tom go Tom. to the yeah uh, like I made Nevis do that because that's something I would do if I watched a TV show for 10 seasons and they had, and I was in a place where that, that restaurant was featured. Like I I've gone to Guy Fieri restaurants. I've done, I like, I've like, I, I go to dumb shit like that all the time because I think we would go to funny. Nate's lizard lounge if we, could. if it was real. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like, or going even to an olive garden in times square. Like that shit is funny to me. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm not against it, but theme parks are the thing that I weirdly, at least, um, movie branded theme parks, which is why I used to love paramount Canada's wonderland when it was here. But when it just turned to, 
Canada's Wonderland and they removed all the Paramount Brown branding, Browning. Um, um, I, I stopped enjoying it. So I love Universal Studios and I love Disneyland and Disney World just because like, I don't know, there's something about the rides and the amount of, you know, um, uh, like well, your love of put into everything too, right? Yeah. Like you, always I do love, love a good time about yeah. like the collaborations between kind of yeah. almost like absurdist brands, whether it be cereal and and something else. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, yeah, you and know. I think that plays into it, right? Like going, oh, what, the movie tie-in ride, right? Like that's yeah. something that's like, how do you adapt this film or this animated show or movie into like a ride? And I think that always excites me. And that in that way, like crowds don't bother me at theme parks. Like it's like a weird spot where I just let everything go. And I'm like, I'm going to have a good time. Like no matter what, even if there's long lineups and annoying people and like all this kind of shit or it's hot out or anything like that. Like I have a good time at theme parks regularly and I'm very good at them. Like I'm good at planning them and like figuring out how to go on every ride and get the fast pass and plan your day and kind of things like that. So I thrive at theme parks. So Disneyland, I was feeling sick and I was like, I don't even think I should be going, but, um, let's do this. And we proceeded to do a 16 hour day where we went on basically every ride we wanted to go on and, uh, checked out star Wars land, ta- uh, checked out the new Avengers, um, campus, um, checked out, uh, the, uh, California adventure, which kind of has like a Pixar pier. It's kind of like a fair, like a, like a big county fair kind of vibe as well as a little bit of Epcot vibes where they had a lot of different food and music performances and things like that. So, um, just had a really long day, but like, I I don't need to go into a ton of detail, but star Wars land, uh, galaxy's edge, um, is awesome. Uh, second time doing it. Rise of the resistance is one of the coolest theme park rides I've ever been on in my life. It's like a multi-step multi, kind of theatrical like ride where it includes acting it includes um like big giant kind of sets it includes like a ride a a trackless ride where you go through in crazy animatronics and special effects like it is absolutely wild like you it it sounds corny but like it does make you feel like you're in star wars like it's that good and that's not hyperbole like that ride is awesome um uh, going to Avengers land, uh, we ate at Pim <laughs> Pim's test kitchen. So like all the food was either, uh, really big or really small. Cause it was like an Ant-Man kitchen. And so Nevis got like what they called was like a spoonful. Like, um, it was supposed to be like a meatball on a spoon, but it was enlarged. So it was like a big meatball in a bowl. And it had like both little tiny rigatonis and big rigatonis in it. <laughs> and, um, and it was made out of impossible, um, impossible uh like fake meat and it was delicious Uh, i got like this weird calzone sandwich thing and it was like surprisingly good too and they had cocktails there and stuff like that we did go to the star wars cantina which was also uh, a lot of fun um in event avengers campus they did like a whole hawkeye christmas performance kind of thing i'm like oh that makes sense i forgot that came out last christmas so this isn't the first marvel christmas thing that we've gotten with the guardians thing it's like the third with iron man 3 um so they did this whole really corny like uh, theme park stuff is the best because it's it's mostly for kids um but the as an adult you can appreciate disney stuff especially at the theme parks for it's like 
how elaborate it is and how much effort they put into things and like how like the from the technical standpoint and like how like how impressive some of this stuff is but with some of the performance stuff like even as i stopped and watched this i'm like oh my god this is so corny but i'm i'm all in on all of this <laughs> like um it was the first weekend of black panther which i just mentioned too so they had um the new black panther actually like as one of the characters in in some of this stuff too which i was surprised that it was that quick but i'm not surprised as well was it kind of um, like in hawkeye where hawkeye goes to see the yes uh, it's exactly that so that is a meta layer to that eric where you're seeing these people playing the characters and then they're like come on out avengers and it has like hawkeye and and Haley steinfeld's character uh, Kate Bishop um, and they go through kind of like a, a fight sequence and things. And then they're like, the Avengers are here. We're going to exchange gifts. And the cast of Avengers is like the most random group of people. It's like <laughs> Ant-Man ca- wasn't there. Yeah, no, no. Ant-Man was. <laughs> no, I mean, there. with the, uh, with the yeah, I know. Joke, yeah. I, I get what you're saying, but that's kind of what it was where it was like Steve Rogers, Captain America, um, Ant-Man, um, the new Black Panther, um Gamora and like um who else is there um it was just the most random group of superheroes um but they were calling them the Avengers and like stuff like that is kind of fun and silly and like they were doing a lot of Black Panther stuff that weekend but it was cool to walk around the Avengers part was something I'd never seen before because it wasn't open last time I was there um they have a Spider-Man ride uh, um that isn't very good I think the set dressing of the ride is cooler than the ride itself. Like they got, you know, Tom Holland and it's MCU licensed. And I, I, I made a joke on our guardian special that there's a Harley Keener reference in for Iron Man three, um, in the, in the ride. And I was like, I appreciated that. I like that it took place at like a abandoned Stark motors factory. So like Peter's taken over this abandoned old, like, you know, factory and like is doing some experiments there and building some, you know, gadgets and stuff like that. And it's all Stark branded. And I liked someone who's worked at a car factory before, but then it's all Stark branded. And like from like the fifties or sixties, it was like kind of really well designed from everything around the ride. And then the ride itself was not very good. So it's called like web slingers or something. And it's definitely made for kids, which again, most rides are, but some can be enjoyable for adults as well, right? Like a lot of the rides I think at Disney are enjoyable for adults as well. This is not one of them. Even someone who loves Spider-Man and loves the MCU, you're basically like using your hands to sling webs and it's just screens. It's like a video game based ride and you're like helping Spider-Man, these spider bots that he's created have gone out of control and stuff like that. And it's just like, you're just going like this over and over again to like a TV screen. And it's just not fun at all. Like my favorite Disney rides are kind of the dark rides that use a lot of animatronics where you're actually going through like a track or a track list now they have like where you're going through and seeing animatronics and it's telling a story throughout the ride where some new rides are screen based. And I think you can do a good job when you use both, right? Where some screen based, but oh, I want animatronics and going through like a story kind of thing. So the Spider-Man ride is mostly just screen based and it's because they have limited space and stuff like that too. But I would have preferred some sort of elaborate 
kind of animatronic kind of ride rather than a screen-based ride. Um, but for fans of the MCU, like it is really cool to kind of walk through. It's really silly and over the top. And um, like, if you're a fan of the, I think galaxy's edge is a lot cooler than the Avengers one. Like the Avengers one, they have a Quinjet. It's just like a big, you know, like what the shield looks like. Like it's a lot of militaristic kind of gray. <laughs> like it's not really like, where Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is like, you know, you feel like you're in the mountains on this planet, the Millennium Falcons there, there's these big ships, like it's so elaborate. Where the Avengers Land kind of feels like you have the Guardians uh, Mission Breakout ride, which took over Tower of Terror, which is right beside it as well, which is a fun ride, but it's, again, screen-based and Tower of Terror in LA is just like up and down and up and down. And it's just almost like a drop zone if you've ever been to Wonderland a little bit. Um, but I had a great time, man. Like the cars land is shockingly good. The cars ride shockingly good. Um, well, that I, one photo of Guillermo del Toro and Ryan Gosling in on the car ride back in the day when he was trying to get him for the haunted mansion movie, uh, yeah. looked very entertaining. So sometimes the rides are better than the movies, you know? And that is the case for cars. This, even with the whole cars land, which I never thought you would need that. But again, kids really love that movie. Uh, but all the neon for radiator Springs, like it's really cool walking through there at night. And, um, yeah, that ride shockingly good. Uh, it was holiday Christmas time at Disneyland when we went. So, um holiday or haunted mansion was like a holiday mansion kind of thing with nightmare before christmas theming nice. uh, which i've never been on um, and you've never watched i've watched like most of it i definitely saw it as a kid i just never never liked it <laughs> i don't know like i never had a desire to rewatch it as an adult and as That's an adult a real so, christmas movie um, and a halloween film um and that's why that reskin of haunted mansion is all october until the end of the year like it's both a halloween ride and a christmas ride so that was cool they did um a holiday reskin of it's a small world which is a terrible ride last time i went on it it's just like it's so dated and the it's a small world after all song just repeating over and over and over as you see these like really the old kind of quaint animatronics for that's slightly racist at times. And like, um, and it, when I went on it, when it was the normal version, I, it just never ended. I was like, Oh my God, but it was a holiday version of it. So I'm like, we got to go on it. And the holiday version is much better. Like the lights are really cute. It, it sprinkles in some Christmas music with it's a small world, which it was, still sounds like your nightmare, but like, um, it was good. And then uh, what other rides did we go on? But the Guardians ride is a blast. Um, the Millennium Falcon ride is a lot of fun. We went on that twice because we wanted to be pilots one time. And piloting the Millennium Falcon is so cool still. And like, um, it was a blast. Uh, Space Mountain still absolutely rips like for a ride that's you know kind of old. and and But it's a really fun coaster. Um just had a really, really fun time. I'll be talking more Disney because I'm going with my family in uh, February uh, to Disney World, which is the Superior Park. Sorry to everyone in California. Disney How dare World. You, Matt. Disney World. But Disneyland still absolutely a blast. Had a lot of good food for theme park food, right? And like uh, Nevis loves the Toy Story Mania ride, which is kind of in that fair Pixar Pier area. Um, 
but had a really, really good time at Disneyland. I can't believe we were there for as long as we were. And I had dips like, cause I was feeling sick. Like I'd feel awful for a while and then I'd feel good. And then I'd feel awful for a while and then I'd feel good. And then, um, yeah, so that kind of continued throughout those 16 hours and we tried to go on as much as possible and, um, had an absolute blast. Um, are you a theme park guy, Eric? We haven't really talked I know, about I don't this. mind. You're not it. against I mean, it. It's just no, not something that it's you're... just something I don't seek out. I mean, when I, when I first went to LA, like the, the, the first time I did it back in 2014, I did all the stuff you're talking about. So like I went, you know, to Disneyland and I went to, um, you know, all these other studio uh, tours and things like that. And, and the Disney screening for, for Rogue One. And, and it was a blast. And, and I loved every second of it. And I remember even like talking about it to other people. And, and you know, like there was a couple people that kind of weirdly shamed me about it, where it was like, oh, Disneyland's for children. Why are you excited about it? I that? get that all the time, dude. And it's, and like, well, like... it's 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 a feeling of like, well, yeah, I, I understand that, like, you know, kids get the most out of it. But at the same time, it's something where, you know, if you never went as as a kid, there's something almost not you're not owed it. But it's it's kind of nice when you go and you have that moment of like, oh, you remember what it was like seeing you know video clips or news reels about it or or just hearing about it or or watching disney movies again and and so you know like with that on on its own it's 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 a lot of fun but it was also at that point where they were under construction too because they were revamping a lot of their yeah star wars stuff so like uh, oh right land was still kind of like the kind of main area but it was it was a lot of fun to rock walk around i guess sort of long story short i i do I'm not against theme park rides it's and, and theme parks in general it just it just depends really like yeah like if, if you're doing something like that when you're in la then there is an incentive towards it where it's like you're not there that often or ever and you have enough time to spend you know 16 hours to go and do that or or you know five to eight hours at universal or, or, or yeah. something like that. So you want to take advantage of it. And that's also why, you know, like hearing you talk about, you know, pushing yourself, even though you were kind of feeling worn down and, and a little bit ill, it's kind of like when you go on vacation, even if you're just tired, you always kind of feel like you have that obligation. Well, you should be doing something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's kind of how that day went. And, um, it was uh, definitely worth it. And I, I always don't like those people who look down on people that are like, Oh, I'm going to Disney world or I'm going to Disneyland. I'm like, you're never too old for things. Like you can always, I've had the most fun at these places without children. And I look at people with children and I go, good for you. Not for me. I'm having more fun here without kids, but I know it would be fine with children as well, but I, you can have a really good time. And I, I, again, I think there's limits, right? Like the people, I think, it's like anything people hear Disney adult, right? And there, I think you get a picture in your head and I feel like there are those people that are a little too much when it comes to like the obsession but that's with around anything, it. Though, but right? yeah, that's what I mean. So that's what I go back to. I go, I can be an adult who likes Disneyland or Disney world or theme parks and it doesn't make me immature or childish or anything. It's just like, just try to have like, again, if you're not hurting anyone, 
like just let people enjoy those things. And if that's how I want to spend my time or my vacation or something like that, like what's it to you? I don't care what you do. So like I always found it, that was weird when I would talk to other adults and say like we did that or and now I don't, I don't give a shit. Like it's just, I go to enjoy myself and I don't really care what other people think. So I had a fantastic time spinning off from that. You've already mentioned it. Um, we also went to Universal Studios Hollywood, um, which is both a theme park and a movie studio, which I think is really, really cool. So earlier in the trip, I'm kind of jumping around um, just to kind of group things together. Um but um, shout out to the people at Universal Studios Hollywood. Uh, they hooked us up with um, some passes and express passes and parking to go check out the, the studio lot as well as uh, the theme park that they have there as well as the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, which is also featured in Universal Studios Hollywood. Um, so uh, it's cool because I've been to Universal, again, just like Disney, I, I've been to Universal Studios in Orlando. But what I thought was really interesting about this one is like what I mentioned that it is on a working, you know, film lot. Um, the theme park is obviously separate to that. Um, but right outside of the theme park, there are people working on TV shows and and movies and, and things like that. So and one of the rides I'm using in quotes at Universal Studios Hollywood is the studio tour. So the studio tour is something that I really wanted to do and I wanted to do even more of them. And I think I just, I'm glad I didn't do all of them because I'm like, each time I go to LA now, I can probably do a different one or something like that, that I hadn't done before um, instead of overdoing it on one trip. But uh, Nevis and I also did a full day at Universal Studios Hollywood. So um, unfortunately, uh, Super Nintendo World is opening early 2023 which just gives me another reason to go back next time we go to LA because it'll be open probably next time we go well, to think LA. About when the movie comes um, out, right? Dude, next next November, you know I'm taking you to Super Nintendo World when we go to LA because <laughs> like I can't wait. Um, so they were that was all under construction while I was there this time, but um, that was another blast where it wasn't. We didn't do a 16 hour day like at Disneyland because it's it's a bit smaller. Like it it was condensed into it was only open I think until um 6 p.m or something like that um because it's just there's not as many rides it's a little smaller um so we went a little later in the morning after ne nevis finished uh work and then you know we did everything there so thankfully because of the fast passes or the express passes we were able to kind of go on everything uh highlights there the studio tour is is awesome so the newest addition to that is they have uh jupiter's is it Jupiter's landing from Nope? Is that what it's called? Jupiter's. Yeah. 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 Um, they have that whole set from Nope, which is one of the newest things that they, um, that they have Jupiter's Jupiter's landing. What does it say on the back? No, it's, I'm going to find it for sure. But, um, so basically they take you through a studio tour. You see some working sets, some working, um, you know, lots. And then they add in like little ride elements as well. So you have a thing where you go in and King Kong attacks uh, your studio car. Later, Dom and Letty and The Rock uh, save you from a Fast and Furious chase on your, on your thing and stuff like that. So like, it's interesting because they try to make it both like 
a ride and a tour. Um, oh, so when you sit in the cars and they kind of like take you down like the lot and stuff like that, and you see like the shark from Jaws, but also yes, the psycho yeah, you house. did that one too, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, the Psycho yeah. House, the some cars from Fast and the Furious, and um, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, Jupiter's Claim, my bad, thank you. That was the um the newest addition to the tour. So like those things that you're saying where you go through and see this shark from jaws and see the house from psycho, but they've added in Jupiter's claim from Nope, um, which was really cool to kind of drive through. Um, there are some people even doing like a walking tour that would seem like a super premium thing that you could do, but be great if you um, saw Gene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just had an absolute blast, like going through all of that. And, um, I, just what else, what was shooting while we were there um i forget i think um i'm not entirely sure here's my wife coming home and seeing what was shooting at universal studios when we were there i forget lopez versus lopez wasn't it <laughs> i saw someone with a lopez v lopez cart no that was at the disney one we're talking about universal right now but um ah stop it was fun um the i really kind of enjoyed the um the studio tour i thought it was kind of like a blast and and one of the highlights um the other highlight they redid the jurassic park ride uh into a jurassic world ride which breaks my heart a little bit because of how much i i love jurassic park versus jurassic world was colin um, there colin was not there um but I, uh, the reskin of that ride is awesome. Like it's still essentially the same ride. So if anyone has been on the Jurassic park ride, it's kind of a water ride you go through and then told a little bit of the story of Jurassic park with the T-Rex escaping. And then the T-Rex comes down at you and, and, and things like that. What they've done with this Jurassic world version, um, is it's essentially the same ride, but they've added in, um, that large kind of uh, swimming dinosaur that horrifically eats that assistant in yeah, the first Jurassic the most World movie. Cruel things you've yeah. ever seen in a yeah. movie. Uh, but they added that element as you're going through as like an aquarium part where it like kind of splashes water over and breaks out of that a little bit. Um, and then there's uh, a battle between the Indominus Rex and the T-Rex. And there are these two really gigantic kind of animatronics that go over top of you as you're going through the ride and there's a couple really good drops and um it, it's it's a riot like it's a lot of fun like even though i like the branding of jurassic park more than jurassic world so they've removed kind of all the jurassic park branding and have done mostly um jurassic world branding now but like that ride it feels way more fun now than it did before and i think it's very worth um going to check that out alone um so yeah there was the fast and the furious thing and the king kong thing um there was also uh simpsons land which is like so you see springfield um the simpsons ride eric who makes me so sick like I, I love the Simpsons. I hadn't been on this ride for 13 years. And this was before um, Disney, right? This is pre Disney where okay. I wasn't sick yet. I was feeling good at universal. Cause if you um, were feeling that sick and you went on that ride. Oh no, that would have been bad news. Um, I hadn't been on that ride for 13 years, but I remember not enjoying it when I wrote it 13 years prior. <laughs> and I remember going, I'm not going on that ride ever again. Um, 
Nevis and I had been to Universal Studios in Orlando um, and we didn't go on that ride because I refused. This time I'm like, all right, let me give it another shot. Uh, that was a mistake. I felt so it's the only ride at all of these theme parks that makes me like nauseous. Like afterwards, I feel ill after riding it. And I don't know if it's because the technology is a little dated. The It's a very screen based. So you're on this big screen, but it has this weird motion blur and you're just you're oh God, it makes me ill just thinking about it. So like I love the Simpsons, the the crusty land kind of area that they have is is a lot of fun. We ate at Cletus's chicken shack and then sat in Moe's tavern and had food there, which is just you have a tough beer. Um, I didn't cause I wasn't in like a drinking mood at that point. We did get cool tiki drinks at, uh, Ela new bar, um, where we got like tiki drinks with like a Raptor tiki cup and stuff like that. So, um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we did sit in Moe's tavern, um no flaming mo's they do serve flaming mo's i believe but uh we did not have one um the other rides we went on revenge of the mummy uh a little dated it's the brendan fraser mummy movie but um you know brendan fraser's hot right now and um it's still a fun coaster reminded me of space mountain at disneyland um really fast really fun um really the newest <laughs> that was different um the transformers ride i didn't love it was very screen based um wasn't really my thing i will say though the costumes that they have for the transformers characters that you can like take photos with at the park are wild like there are people on stilts but like the the animatronics that they have built into these costumes that these people are wearing and like the, you know, Bumblebee uses the same kind of dialogue using from movies and TV shows and music that he talks to people, but the Megatron and the Optimus prime, like they have a guy in the back, like, you know, talking at, as they're meeting people. And it is so impressive. Like it is shockingly good. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, there's their newest ride, which is the secret life of pets off the leash. Uh, was, I wasn't a huge fan of that movie. Didn't there, was there a second one? There was, yes. Didn't, didn't even see the second one. Um, but I have to go on every ride. I will say enjoyed it. Very cute ride. It's one of the only rides at universal studios, Hollywood. That is like, feels like a Disney ride where it's like an, mostly animatronics and you're going through and kind of, uh, seeing real things in front of you or real things as in actual animatronics and stuff like that, where a lot of the rides at universal are very screen based, um, which aren't my favorite kind of ride. So this reminded me of that more classic dark ride going through and, and seeing all the animatronic animals and stuff like that. Um, what else did we go on? Um, I'm trying to think. Was the Water World presentation there? They still had it. Did you watch nice. it when you were there? Oh, yeah. I did. I didn't watch. We didn't. We didn't have time to do it. But oh, it's good. Um, I, I'm always surprised that they still have that. <laughs> like it is um, weird because <laughs> it is one of those movies where it's like it was a big deal when it first opened, but it flopped so hard. You think that Universal would want to kind of sweep that under the rug, but it has amassed a cult kind of status over. The decades and like even arrow releasing a 4k version of it not too long ago and and you know there is 
a kind of um, there is a there is an interest in it, and there are people that really do. It's not a bad movie. It's just overly long, and it's kind of silly, and like it's it's no better or worse than you know a Mad Max film in terms of it's just concept so oh totally i'm just surprised they still do a stage show for it so uh we wanted to see it but we missed out on it unfortunately we like to focus on the rides a lot instead of the performances that is a ride um (laughs) at at a lot of the theme parks so like even at disney we didn't see a lot of the shows um when we go in february we're there for a week so we'll probably see more shows and stuff like that but um we also went on the despicable me minion mayhem ride mostly for kids not really for for us and it's another screen-based ride um it was fine like it's not the worst um and then we went to the wizarding world of harry potter um i've been to wizarding world a a few times so i didn't we didn't necessarily need to spend a ton of time there like we went straight to hogwarts went on the ride which is harry potter and the forbidden journey that ride is still fun it's kind of again i'm using a lot of references for canada's wonderland but it's kind of got you know you sit in that top gun style seat where your uh, legs are dangling and then you kind of fly through and it's screen based but then there's also some animatronics and and stuff like that it is a is very supposed good to be ride. like quidditch um yeah there's a quidditch part that um but you're basically flying around like on a broom with different characters there is a quidditch segment but then dementors pop up and like things like that so um you know, we didn't get a butterbeer this time or anything like that because we, we'd done all that stuff before. So it was kind of fun to just walk through during the holidays. They didn't have it all decked out yet because Universal does that a little bit later. Um, but it was just kind of fun to walk through, you know, that land and kind of look into the shops. And we kind of just briefly spent a little bit of time there. Um, yeah. And then that was pretty much it for our Universal day. So there's like a lot less like the big studio tour was cool um the jurassic world ride is awesome but like you know it's obviously not as big as disneyland or anything like that and because it's working on like a an actual studio lot like they don't have like a ton of room but i'm always surprised it's more vertical than any other theme park i've ever been to like there's an upper lot and a lower lot and you have to go down like six escalators to get down to the lower lot and um it's always surprising because i've never it's the it's the most interesting layout to a theme park I've ever been at because I've never, it's usually just spread out far and wide. Right. And you just have to either like a Disney world, you have to take buses to the other theme parks and stuff like that. Cause it's like its own city where here it's so condensed, but it's almost built vertically. And then, um, the super Nintendo land seeing that being built is like impressive how they've used a lot of the space. Um, but really had kind of a, a really fun day at, uh, Universal Studios Hollywood as well. So shout out to Universal for hooking us up there because that was such a great day that I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to kind of squeeze in, but I'm so glad um, that we did. Um, and then, yeah, like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we did the Glass Onion premiere. So we've talked about all that. So Eric, anything you want to add on to LA as a whole, that trip? I mean, I always love going. Um Perhaps the next time I will try to stay there maybe a day longer than just, yeah. you know, the in and out Although the in and out burger was fantastic, as it previously was. mentioned. Um, and, you know, going to pick up some Blu-rays and 4Ks at the end 
of the trip was nice as well. But you do feel it after a while and, and taking, you know, the red eye home, you know, we, we were on a 1055 um, PM Pacific time uh, plane. So by the time we got back into Toronto at like, what, like six 30 in the morning, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like you're in that weird kind of area where it's like, you want to sleep because both of us really didn't on uh, the plane. And it was really, um, you know, it was, it was fun. It's, 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 it's one of those things where it's like, you just enjoy it for what it is. And you also kind of feel like, Oh, like, should you be doing more or like, what, like taking advantage of this a little bit more, but like at the same time, like everything that we did, I think we were able to kind of enjoy and, and, you know, like, again, given the time that we had, I think we made the most of it in terms of that last day and hearing everything that you did, you know, over that week, it sounds like you made the best of that entire week and, and, and did as much as you possibly could with, you know, getting also in sleep and stuff like that when you could. So. Absolutely. Had a blast. Can't wait to go back next year and take you to super Nintendo world. Cause we're going, baby. We're going, we're going to wear the gloves. <laughs> oh yeah. We're getting, we're going to dress as Mario and Luigi. It's going to be great. Um, Anything else, or do you want to just keep this an LA episode? Like, I forget I there was a few other it, things. Uh, like, there's LA the big news things. of like, you know, Bob Iger coming back to Disney. I read an interesting article that you know his the whole thing about this might be him coming back to try to sell to Apple, which would blow my freaking mind. Um, which would be, I don't even think they'll allow it, but that is a wild thing. Um, on, I watched Spirited on Apple TV Plus. Good segue by me. Didn't even mean to do that. Um, it's super enjoyable if you like Christmas movies and, and musicals. Like it, it's a movie I think my mom will love, and I mean that as a compliment. Like um, I love Will Ferrell, and I'm a sucker for Christmas movies, so um, I enjoyed the heck out of Spirited. Um, other than that, haven't been watching all that. Well, much we have. We like we, we did notes. the one day when we we came back. Um, I caught Strange World, which you had already seen and we had the, the Disney sort of breakfast. Oh, that is something I want to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about that on the next step since this one was pretty jam packed. I guess we can talk about it now. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's end the episode. So with that, that. it was, it, you know, that was a busy day. We'll, we'll talk more about, um, Babylon with the review, obviously, because the social media embargo is the only thing that's been lifted so far. Yeah. And then also we saw uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which, you know, we're going we're going to try to review as well. Yeah, as well to do a press junket for that. So maybe we'll come back and review that after we've done, um, you know, the junket and, and, and talk a little bit more about that. But it's 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 definitely a weirder movie than you're expecting it to be. But it's also very much a Guillermo del Toro film in the best possible way um so yeah absolutely with, agree with, with with the disney breakfast it was interesting because again this was the first time back in person uh since the pandemic and and i mean the pandemic is still going on but in terms of like having an in-person sort of meeting they usually take place at the light box but this year it was the scotia bank um it was right after or a day after we got back from la so it was the the thursday and in terms of the coverage or what they had to present, there wasn't a whole lot that you can't already find online in terms of trailers and, and footage available. Obviously, you know, with the end of the year, they're they're very much kind of gearing up with Avatar The Way of Water. You know, next year they're looking at 
you know, the next Pixar movie, Elemental, and and with, you know, um, even the Little Mermaid live action remake. So those are movies that they're very much kind of looking to launch right now. And then even Ant-Man and the Wasp, you know, coming up in February. So it's it's mostly the stuff that everybody kind of already is aware of or seen something on. So we, we didn't really get anything that had already played at, you know, D23 or, you know, a Comic-Con. So we didn't see a Guardians uh, of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer. And, and, and again, it'll come. Or during... the Marvel's footage or anything yeah. like that. So it'll, it'll yeah. make its way out eventually. Yeah, it was, you know, we saw the Elemental teaser right before it kind of dropped online. And then um, it was cool to see some of the Disney Plus trailers in a theater because that's not something you would normally see or keeping up with the kardashians man (laughs) yeah um but yeah their preview was basically just it was listing out everything that they have coming next year and and things like that so uh, i always love that event um so i'm hoping it does kind of next year get back to the like we're allowed to show you some stuff but I know that they get more and more protective over a lot of that footage. I just thought that maybe because they showed it to the public at those events, but maybe there's something in the contract that they want to make those events feel exclusive still. And a lot of the times they go, this is just for the Comic-Con audience or just for the D23 audience. But, um, and I guess maybe they've gotten press from that stuff already. So it's not necessarily, you know, we're just going to be writing about the same footage that was written about back at those events right or talking about it if we don't write but and they want to keep it um, going in waves right where it's like okay like we'll you know introduce some of this stuff at uh comic-con or d23 and that'll be the first time people write about it but then you know we'll want to control it so that the next time people maybe write about it is closer to the release date of the first trailer actually premiering online or the release date of the film it's it's like you want to keep the momentum going and you want to not maybe oversaturate the market with um coverage but at the same time it's almost like okay well you know people got interested with the stuff that happened in the fall and now you know maybe they're going to hold off on on some of that you know the the bigger stuff when it comes to the spring and then you know that'll be the next cycle of news coverage on you know guardians and yeah you know marvels and things like that right so but still a fun event just to kind of catch up with everyone and uh, and things like that. So, uh, let's wrap it there, Eric. Um, we'll talk about, you'll, we'll have kind of a normal episode, um, next week. Um, and we'll review some of those movies that Eric, maybe less choppy. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Sorry for some of the technical difficulties and me stopping to get groceries halfway through the episode. How dare you have Um, a life outside of this podcast? Um, but you guys can check out everything else we have up right now. So you can check out our review of strange world, uh, our review of Bones and All. By the time you're listening to this, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special, uh, you should be able to check out that review. Or if you're listening to this very early, it should be up on November 23rd in the afternoon, morning. Um, so uh, that should be up. So go check that out. Um, we'll have reviews for some of those movies Eric mentioned and a lot of stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. Our voting deadline for Critics' Choice is in like, two short weeks basically so some stuff to catch up on so we'll be talking about all that stuff on the normal show and things like that so uh thank you all for listening or watching uh one-stop shop for everything head over to letterboxd which is untitled underscore movies um and you can follow me on all of those social medias at matt rorabek 
And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. And I just want to quickly say that if you have time to write a review or give us a rating on any of the uh, That's all we want for a gift. That, yes, this, that's, that's, that's the donation that you can make to us. We don't want you know, money, we're, we're not doing a, a Patreon or anything like that. Um, you know, if you just drop that couple, five stars, yeah, just drop it like it's hot and, and let us know that you care and that, you know, we are actually communicating to people outside of ourselves. <laughs> basically. Nah. All right. Until next time. It's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. Now just repeat that for like 45 minutes. <laughs> okay, nope. bye everyone.